I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. All you non-believers disrespect us, talk crap about the defense, like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday, going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Another week, another edition of NFL Friday, WFUV's exclusive football podcast. I'm Brian Raybex. Of course, pleased to be joined alongside Chris Persianen and Bridge Gotham. Guys, it's kind of hard to believe that everything's been going and we're already at week 10 of the NFL season. I don't know. To me, I that just can't be true to me. I can't believe it. Um, I, I'm like numb to time flying at this point because <laughs> I, like, I remember the season getting ready to start. And I'm like, oh my God, I need NFL football back. I need to be locked in like a zombie 10 hours every Sunday. It's a red zone. Like, I, I just need this back in my life. I can't wait. And now it's the regular season's more than halfway over, and I'm just already starting to think. You know, like when you make it like halfway through summer, and you just can't stop thinking about how many days you got left. You know, start seeing those back to school sales. You're like, uh, oh my you're God. like ah. So I, I, you know, I just keep thinking like, got to value all these games we got left. Like, Giants Texans is by no means a marquee matchup, but I'm going to be dialed in this week. You know, appreciating these G men for what they've got because as I've found out several times in my life from different teams, sometimes the overachieving season ends up being the most fun one of the whole stretch there with that core. Sometimes the build doesn't really go right. So going to try to value this season best I can. And, and uh, not a lot of weeks left, you know, we're starting to wind down here. I'll echo that sentiment. I think this season's been weird for a lot of reasons. Teams we expected to be good. Aren't so good, um, which we'll get into later. Um, but we're all, I know Brian and I are still wearing shorts like in the month of November. I mean, just when you think of time flying, usually it's those things that are subconscious. Like you, you start wearing a jacket, winter starts to come around. But we're in week 10 of the NFL season, and it's still 60, 70 degrees outside. It's crazy. It just feels super weird. And then on the other hand, for me, I've been covering the Giants as the beat reporter for FUV. The Giants have not had a home game for four weeks. So it's just been a sort of a weird sort of stretch because I've just been so used to I mean, I'm still watching all the games at home, but they're coming off a bye. They just had two away games before that. Just the way that time flows throughout the season, it's a little weird, but the Giants, we'll get into it in a few minutes, have a very, very important stretch of games coming up that'll absolutely define their season. And you'll be back at MetLife uh, this weekend, right? I'll be back at MetLife this weekend, first time in a month. Looking forward to it. Giants are taking on the Texans. Well, looking forward to what happens this weekend at MetLife, but last weekend at MetLife, it was a pretty crazy scene. The New York Jets is where we'll start. They beat the Buffalo Bills 2017. No one gave the Jets any shot of winning this game coming into it. They were coming off of a rough outing against the Patriots. All of a sudden, you see Buffalo Bills on the schedule, and your head starts to go, okay, there's no shot. But these New York Jets did it. They won 20-17. to 
The defense played great. They were able to limit Josh Allen. And now, with the Jets now sitting at 6-3 and three going into their bye week, I have to think that now you can really start feeling this Jets team might be for real. Robert Sala is now a Coach of the Year candidate. And to me, I think you could argue this is the biggest Jets win, Chris, in the last five years. Is that fair to say? That's tough because um, this season feels like it's been full of several of those for them, you know? Uh, same with the Giants. It feels like every week we're like, this is the biggest win this team has had. And and then the next week it's like, whoa, this is the biggest win this team is. Because both of these teams, funnily enough, both the Giants and Jets, as we've seen here, are kind of, I don't want to say like perfectly <laughs> parallel. The Jets definitely, I think, have more talent on the roster right now. Um, but they are kind of in this similar spot where they're these two really, I guess, according to the rest of the league right now, overachieving teams, primarily comprised of young players. Um, I just think that for the Jets this season, I didn't think the wins and losses were super important for the young players. I thought that was more a Douglas thing because uh, he's in year four, I believe, and, and you know, getting there as solid and you know, evaluate him. Uh, I think this is a big win. Just for, The wins, rather, are really big for the job security of Douglas and Sala. If I were a Jets fan, I would be just super happy with how the young talent looks. You've got the two Rookie of the Year candidates. You've got, um, well, the capital to solve your quarterback problem if you decide you have a problem at quarterback or if you have the patience to see it out, do it, right? But something tells me Douglas, who took a very win-now approach to the draft last year, trading up like two or three times, taking a running back kind of high, Really, really wanted his team to be good this year because he knew in year four he's got to get those wins on the board. That's why the wins to me aren't a huge deal because Douglas did this win-now thing knowing he had to get wins on the board to keep his job. Um, he got called a wizard all these years for all his cap stuff and draft pick stuff, and it never actually amounted to anything. So he really needed this year to go well, and it's gone more than well for the Jets. But for me, I'm more excited, and I, I hate to be like a downer on your question, but what's like more exciting to me is just how great their young core has been because I'm of the opinion, even personally as a Giants fan, uh, that the Jets are, are right now probably better set up going forward out of the two franchises. The Giants can change that really quickly this offseason as their cap situation unmucks itself and they kind of swim out of those muddy waters there. Um, but right now I would think the Jets are kind of better set up out of the two. Yeah, the Jets are in a really good position. I think what the Bills win did is it kind of validated their early season success because when you look at the wins that they had, they had a lot of close wins, but you could say that they hadn't beaten an opponent like the Bills. A lot of people will say that the Bills, they were probably what are they, they were the preseason favorite to either win or at least make the Super Bowl. They're a consensus top three pick in a uh, top three team in the NFL. So... When we talk about the Giants later, the Giants haven't had a win that big compared to what the Jets did. The Jets knocked off not only just a division rival, but arguably the best team in football, and they made one of the best quarterbacks in football, Josh Allen, look lost out there. And what Chris said about all the draft picks and win now, yeah, it's very true, but I think what Joe Douglas did for this team is they gave them a lot of options, they gave them weapons, like even losing a Brees Hall, who they've just picked up in the draft, and then tr going out and trading for James Robinson, like it proves that, yeah, the Jets are really in win-now mode. And maybe it's not win a championship now, but start to look like at least a fringe playoff team to attract free agents and to continue building the actual, 
I don't know what the word is, but you know, reputation of the franchise. Because I think if you ask any player in the last five years, would you want to play for the Jets? Oh, well, they're the Jets. Why would I want to go and play for a poverty, a losing franchise, a franchise that's basically had the worst record in football in the last five years, along with the Giants coming into this year? Yeah, and that has not been the case at all. And this defense, it's kind of crazy the contrast that we've had from the defense that we see now to the defense last year. Because if you remember, the Jets' defense a year ago was dreadful, just absolutely brutal. They were ranked 32nd in just about every category. They couldn't stop anybody. Their secondary was terrible. So what does Joe Douglas do to address this? He drafts Sauce Gardner, and Sauce Gardner is playing like the consensus defensive rookie of the year. It's unbelievable unbelievable what he's doing. He had another interception on Sunday, and he's just playing so well. He's the third highest-graded cornerback in the league. He's so good in coverage, and him and DJ Reed on both sides of the ball, that's about as good of a cornerback duo as you're going to get. So the Jets, they have they have some work to do on offense, but the improvement of this defense and what they've been able to do, I'm really impressed with this, and I think a lot of credit goes to the defensive mind of Coach Robert Sala. Yeah, and you mentioned Robert Sala. His first year, definitely not the best, right? He's in his second year now, correct? Mm-hmm. His first year on paper doesn't look so good and Brian, we kind of talked about this on Wednesday's nightly show that I think head coaches are put under way too much pressure in their first year. Now, obviously, there are examples of a team collapsing, like an Urban Meyer situation last year where he didn't even last half, was it 10, 11 games? They got rid I of mean, him. Yeah, when you get fired before the end of your first season, ob- there's a you know, lot accentuating of accentuating circumstances. But normally, I think you have to give a coach at least two, uh, two years at a minimum to see if, if they can work the team because... At the end of the day, the players on the field are the ones making plays. The coaches are the ones sort of pulling the strings behind the scenes and saying, you do this, you do that. And the coach needs to find the players that best suit his system, work with the general manager. And in year two, Joe Douglas has done that with Robert Sala, who, as you said, a defensive-minded head coach, went out and got all the defensive pieces he needed. Joe Douglas for Robert Sala. He's building a team for Robert Sala, and now Robert Sala is executing this team to his strengths as a defensive play caller. And there you go. The Jets are finally what he said they would be when he was hired. And it's so it's so good for Robert Sala because at the start of the year, they kind of get embarrassed by the Ravens week one. And he throws and Joe out Flacco the, at quarterback, but definitely not either way. Not a, not a great start. Not a great start. And he throws out the we're going to be keeping a lot of receipts. He th- threw out that comment and it could have ended really badly. And now it looks like he, well, he knew if you throw that out there, then it goes badly. You deserve to. Yeah, I mean that. Well, that was. I that. mean, cr- credit to him and credit to the New York yeah, Jets. Yeah. They're they're backing that claim up. Yep. The defense has played a big role of it, and I'll go back to this draft from this year. The three first round draft picks that they had: Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, all making an incredible impact so far this season. Now we've talked a lot about the defense and how great they've been. Shifting to the offense, there's still a couple of question marks here, and I think the biggest one. Uh, lies at under center at the quarterback position because Zach Wilson, he played he played okay on Sunday, but you look at a 18 for 25, 154 yard game, one touchdown, no interceptions. Good, you were smart with the ball. You didn't turn the ball over, but it's just to me that's kind of what it's feeling like for Zach Wilson right now. If he doesn't turn the ball over, he's going to not lose you a game rather than play so well and win you a game. So I, I don't really know what to make of Zach Wilson's play so far, but. It's a lot of their games are reliant on how he does and if he doesn't make a stupid mistake to lose in the game. Yeah, um, 
I, he hasn't been good to me. Like, I, I think he's made foolish mistakes. Um, he's young, so that kind of speaks for itself. But I really haven't liked LaFleur for them. Um, Mike LaFleur, I, I just don't. I've not been a fan of his play calling. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Sometimes a coach does a good job or a passable job, but it's not close to like optimizing their talent. They just have the machine up and running. You know, like I feel like right now the New York Giants are getting squeezing on every ounce of juice out of their talent. Like yep. Daniel Jones is making the most out of his ability. He's running. Saquon Barkley's getting open in, in open space and able to actually show off his cutting and juking ability. Like yeah, in a, they're playing to their strengths. In something where he's already five yards ahead of the line of scrimmage instead of running him halfback dive every second and ten. Like yeah. there's just um, the, good good coaches <laughs> optimize their talent, and I think Mike Lafleur has been utilizing his talent. You know, like I so I'm not sold on him. I'm not trying to use him as an excuse for Wilson, but maybe. After this season, Jets, you know, choose to get a more experienced, better offensive coordinator in there, and maybe Zach does really well under him because uh, he knows how to optimize Wilson. And, and also, after this, you know, these lumps he takes, he'll be a little better coming out the other end of it. But I, I think that it shouldn't be crazy to have the discussion of like, should the Jets look to replace him? Like I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying everyone should be like they need to get rid. No, I don't think it should be seen as nuts to want to have the conversation. The second year, yeah, Absolutely. I think the discussion should should certainly be on the table. Just just if, to think about if the rest of their team is this good, right? Because right, yeah, are the Jets a quarterback? <laughs> away? That's wanna... what that's what it feels like. It feels yes. like if they had a really like top level quarter, if they had a Joe Burrow right now, oh, they would imagine Joe Burrow on the Jets. They'd be a, oh my, they'd be a lock to make the playoffs and. Can Zach Wilson take this team to the next level? Can they be what the Cincinnati Bengals were last year Just under year Zach ago. Wilson? Just think about it's, what the Bengals were the year before that. They were kind of what the Jets awful. were last year yeah. in terms of they were terrible. Rookie quarterback, just sort of figuring it out. Then he got Jamar Chase. You know, the Bengals, they figured it out, right, in second year. Jets, I wouldn't say have done as well as the Bengals did last year. I mean, Bengals went all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, re- Record-wise, I think at this point last year it was, it was kind of similar. similar. What I will say is I think a lot of fans will scratch their heads when they look at the stat sheet, even after Jet Jet wins, because I think when you see anything less than 200 passing yards for a quarterback, it's all it's just not a good sign in general. And I think even on most of these Zach Wilson wins, he's thrown for, what, 160, 180 yards. He's not lighting up no the stat touchdowns, sheet by any means. Yeah. Maybe one touchdown, and it's just, as we kind of said when we talked about this on Wednesday, he's playing good enough for his team to win. But unlike maybe a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, at least looking at their careers, he's never the primary reason that the team wins. No. They don't win because Brady did this or Rodgers did that or Drew Brees did that or Peyton Manning did that. Like, Zach Wilson is not that. Obviously, I'm not comparing them in terms of talent level, but when the Jets win, it's not in spite of him. I don't want to say, like, he's a liability necessarily, but he doesn't doesn't elevate them the way maybe another quarterback would. He's just... He's doing what he can, given his abilities. And, and and he's the archetype of quarterback that, like, should, right? Like, he yes. is, if you're looking at a Daniel Jones, again, just to stay local here, yep. versus Zach Wilson. I feel like Wilson is the build of quarterback that can extend the play, can make those plays that you say, oh, that's one of those QBs. That's one yes. of those guys. Like, I say this a lot. Um, I think quarterbacks and pitching aces are really similar in terms of they're technically one 
for yes. every single team in the league, but only about 10 guys can do the job like really well. Yeah. There are only like 10, probably less real aces. There are only like seven to eight real stud quarterbacks yep. you could say and then you get that middle category yeah, yeah and you know, but zach wilson's not even there no, i'd say he's, he's on the yet. lower echelon of that so middle. Like, i wouldn't put him in the same category as like a marcus Mariota per se what, no, no but, he's not he's not but I mean, what after if, last night we no saw Mariota. But, <laughs> but if this jets team gets someone say right outside of that top stud group like I'm not trying to say Kirk Cousins. I was about to say, I was about to throw Kirk Cousins out there. You know, someone that just can do the job well, you know, instead of like, oh, can he? He sometimes does it. Either Zach works out the flashes or they get someone in because I think with a good quarterback who can extend plays, this Jets team could make it pretty deep. And the thing is with Zach Wilson is this is his second year yeah, it's in the early, league, and it, it's still early, but yeah. normally this is a second year where you'd like to see your guy develop a little bit, especially after there's a lot of young offensive and explosive talent around him. Yep. Zach Wilson really hasn't done that. Really, the most impressed I've been with Zach Wilson was his first game against the Steelers, and it was really one drive at the end of the game where he led the game when he drive. Yeah. Since then, there's just not a lot to be excited about with how Zach Wilson has played. Now, can he improve on this? Absolutely, because he's still a young guy. But the Jets are now 6-3, and three, so... You, if it's it's different, it's a different scenario than if they were three and six and they're still kind of rebuilding, figured out. Yeah. Well, no, now your team's winning, and now your most important piece to the puzzle isn't exactly developing in the way you'd want in a second year. Right, and I think it's rare. I wouldn't say rare, but for a second year quarterback to take a significant leap, we saw it last year with Joe Burrow, and we've seen other guys, Justin <laughs> Herbert. Um, but I think even when you look at some of the all-time greats, like. Peyton Manning in his second year. He yeah. Not, he wasn't, you know. he, he's the textbook example of guys yeah. taking a while to develop. Exactly. And then you look over to basketball, people forget that Kobe Bryant for those first couple years was not the same Kobe Bryant that he eventually became. He was a very young kid. Now, I'm not saying that Zach Wilson's going to turn into a stud, but I'm saying I think you have to give it a little bit of time. And I think he has a big test coming up this weekend against the Patriots, a team that we, they haven't beaten in seven years. Yeah. And... A, a team you just lost to in your own building two weeks ago. And while the Bills' win looks really, really good, I think from a team morale perspective, you need to beat the Patriots this weekend. Yeah, well, yeah. After the, after the bye week this yeah. weekend, they're yeah. they're on bye. Uh, next next the, game is what I meant. Game. But yes, yeah, yeah, their, ne- their next yeah. game is huge against the Patriots yeah. because you didn't play well against them at MetLife uh, last week or whenever it was. Yeah. So now you're going into the against, against Foxborough. Listen, this is not. The same Patriots team over the last seven years that's dominated them. It's a new team, and but they even still lost to that. Team. Yeah, even without Tom Brady, they they still own them. Yeah, they still always find a way to beat them. So you, you feel that the Jets have still been stuck in the same cycle in a way that they can't get over the hump and they can't really get by this. If they beat the Patriots this weekend, it's yeah, it, next weekend. The, the fan or next weekend. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm getting uh, yeah, we're yeah. both kind of yeah. <laughs> the fan base is going to go crazy. Yeah. It's going to be an absolute scene. So then that would put them at 7-3. and three, And it would be huge because looking at the rest of their schedule, it, it doesn't get a lot easier because you have the Vikings and the Bills on the schedule who are two and that's at top, too. top-tier teams, both road games. Yeah. And then you have two more road games late in the season against the Seahawks and the Dolphins. So yeah. that's going to be an important game in Foxborough coming up and a big road game for them to squeeze out and continue to push the playoffs. Yeah, well, you know, Jets fans got very excited about their first matchup against New England. 
um, calling it an exorcism. They were going to, you know, vanquish the demons of the Patriots. It's going to be the changing of the guard. Yeah. New England 22, New York 17. Same old story. Like, Zach Wilson, 20 for 41, 355 yards and two touchdowns. So how did they lose? Because he had three interceptions. Bill Belichick came out after the game two days ago and said, well, a week after the game, two days ago and said that for the last two weeks, including the Jets game, that their offense has been tipping their plays and that the Jets defense was one of the defenses that knew what was coming. You think the Jets won that game? So they really need to <laughs> they really need to win the second matchup. Um we're going to, you know, we'll get into picking this week's games later, but just to give you guys a sense early of what the the real pros pros prognosticators are thinking. Yes. The Patriots are favored by 4 points right now on a really early spread for that game. So New York Jets plus 4 field goal or less you know might there might be something there because the jets even though they're on the road really really need this win for a lot of other reasons besides just wanting a win for the season this absolutely is, this is not even just a patriots thing on its own anymore like they lost the last matchup this yeah. is a normal revenge matchup that has now because it's the patriots a million different other added motivations Beneath it, the, J- the Jets have got to come out with this one. I yeah, yeah. You would think. Well, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave the rest of the uh, predicting the game ne- for next week's episode of NFL Friday. But I'm going to transition to the Giants now for a second because their second half of the season's coming up, and they they're actually playing this weekend. Unlike the Jets, they're playing the Houston yep. Texans, and this is an important stretch of games for the Giants, as me and Bridge have already kind of discussed. And it's going to get a lot tougher because. You go into the bye week, and normally that's when players rest up. They heal their injuries and kind of heal their bodies. Well, the Giants' health got worse over the bye week because Xavier McKinney was riding on an ATV on vacation, and he injured his hand, and he's out for at least three or four weeks. So this is bridge. As I'll ask, you, I'll talk to you, the Giants beat reporter. This is just this is going to be a loss. That I think it's going to affect them real bad because, or not real bad, but it's a it's a crucial loss because. He's so important to the team. He's a, he's a captain, and number one, he's a really good safety, too. So losing this guy, especially in this way, it's got to really hurt this team and this defense. Very disappointed, obviously, when you lose a player to an off-the-field injury. You know, you, you can reference like a JPP fireworks incident as another example of this that the Giants have dealt with in the past. Football is already a game where injuries are, are very common. It's unfortunate, but it's almost rare to go through a whole game without somebody getting hurt. And so the health of players is very important. And, and for a player like Xavier McKinney, a captain this year, who was one of the few bright spots of the 2021 Giants, played his way into the, the captain role, has been great this year so far as a safety. Uh, to lose him is very tough for a Giants secondary that's, that's going to be a little more depleted now. Uh, you lose McKinney. You have, of course, you still have a Dory Jackson at cornerback who, who's pretty solid. You have a Darnay Holmes back there. But after that, it gets a little thin. And teams are going to start attacking that giant secondary where McKinney was really holding that spot down, playing center field. And for the Giants, now there's still no technical timetable right now. They're saying it could be up to a few weeks, but a possibility of it going out the whole season. Yeah, for McKinney, that, that quote from Dable wasn't was not Dable, what I wanted to hear. Yeah, it, it really was not what he wanted to hear. And for something as silly as that, look, I know NFL players have a pretty tough life in terms of like going to practice every day, like. It's, it's a very intense season, so when you have a bye week, you want to get away for some vacation, but be a little responsible. Now, I know getting on that ATV, he definitely didn't envision an injury, but you got to be a little careful there. Like, you know, you're getting, you're getting paid a lot of money, you know, just to, to play a really good position in football. Like, 
now the team's going to suffer because of of something that you could have prevented. So it's it, it, Giants fans are definitely pulling their hair out. Big game against the Texans this weekend, as you mentioned. Giants are. It's all, bigger than you would think. A game against the Texans. Yeah, and, and then the Lions next week. The teams with the two worst records in football, I think, and I still wouldn't give the Giants any guarantees in these games. Like you, there's you, no guarantee in the NFL. We, I mean, we saw it last week. The Jets beat the Bills. Right, but I mean, like. On paper, if you knew nothing about football and you saw a six and two team is playing a one six and one team, you would obviously pick the six and two team. And I'm not saying the Giants aren't going to win this game, but and we're gonna get into spreads in a little bit. But the fact that it's only a four and a half point spread, whereas if a six and two Bills team, I know the Bills are six, I think they're six, well, six and three now, uh, six and two. But I'm saying a yeah. a bit obviously Bills a different team. But if it was like Bills Texans, that spread would go from four and a half to probably close to fourteen and a half. I'm not reading into the spread. I'm not reading into the spread too much because we. We know how unfair the spread has been. Yeah, to but the, the spread is made by the season. people that need to make the most money. So, I well, I listen the, to those people more the, than the I spreads listen have been to wrong. I mean, they, they've had, yes. they had the Giants as an underdog against but the I Jaguars. Mean, but I mean, if you look at that and then look at what the guys on ESPN TV have to say, look at what the odds makers are doing because they're the ones who have the most to lose by making by by doing it the wrong way. <laughs> I think a lot of I think a lot of people don't look into that. Look into what the odds makers because. This is where all the money is made and where the money is lost. Just because Stephen A. Smith said this doesn't mean you should do something. But if if you look at certain lines, then I think you'd have a much better idea. Now, obviously it's wrong a lot of the time, but I'm thinking when prediction-wise it's important. Well, throw spreads out the window right now and just focus on the matchup at hand. The Giants lost a big piece on yep. defense, so that's going to hurt. Thankfully, you're playing the Houston Texans, so... I don't really know how much they can exploit that. I mean, they have Brandon Cooks, but... Mills Mafia at quarterback. The, Davis oh, Mills. They should be able to hold it down against a bad, bad offense. But over looking at the Giants' offense, they're getting an interesting piece back. Kenny oh, yeah. Galladay's coming back. And the last time he was on the field, it, was, it wasn't pretty. There were a lot of question marks surrounding his future. A couple bad drops, too. A lot of bad drops and yeah. a lot of possible issues with his attitude going into these games. He got benched week two. Yes. So yeah, that was now, a weird time to be in the locker room. The, by the time the press went in the locker room, all the players were there except Kenny Galladay wasn't, and his locker was completely empty. I think a lot of people thought he was done with the Giants. Yeah. It, it was a weird time. A weird time. But now he's still with the Giants, and he's coming back onto the field. So the question is, what Kenny Galladay are we going to get? Are we getting the early season Kenny Galladay, or can he at least be a somewhat res- – can he somewhat resemble the version of the Kenny Galladay, the pro bowler that we saw on the Detroit Lions? Chris? Oh, jeez. I mean, you know, all the talent in the world doesn't matter when the player doesn't care to use it. So if Galladay, you know, has a lesser role off the bench with his Giants team and his return, I don't foresee him being very motivated to want to try to create any separation out there, which is not really his game anyway, you know, so... He's a guy who needs a stud quarterback to get him high balls, possession catches that he can go up and get with his height. You know, the guy's 6'4", 214. Yeah. Uh, that's what he does. Um, I think Galladay now, though, I think an underrated aspect of this is he's seeing what this Giants team is doing without him. He knows the receivers making the plays for this Giants team. are Some of them are not even receivers, right? Daniel Jones, wide receiver one, several of these games has been <laughs> a bad Kick returner. Not even a good kick returner. A bad kick returner. We saw that in Seattle. So, you know, the thing with, with that is 
Galladay might be really motivated here to kind of get in on the action with the Giants. I think they have a good run going. I think he knows they have a good run going because he's part of the locker room. He knows he's kind of on the outside of it, not really in favor with this coaching staff. They just traded Kadarius Tony, who was not in favor with the coaching staff. Like, the, I think Galladay knows he's got to get to work here. So we'll see. Uh, I would hope he would be motivated. Uh, and if he is, then, you know, maybe – three catches for 21 yards goes down because like, you know, get him the ball a couple times if he's open, yes. but I can't really foresee a lot of situations where, you know, Jones is able to <laughs> pinpoint him and get him a, uh, a high ball for him to take to the crib there. I just don't really see him having that role with New York here, especially fresh off the return. Just some catches though. I'd love to see because I mean, anything, something, to, anything yeah. to build something, justify um, the contract a little bit, right? <laughs> I don't think there's any way you can justify that contract now, but to to get some value out of out of something, I think as someone who's watched a lot of these games firsthand, even when Kenny Galladay was healthy, Daniel Jones was not looking his way most of the time, which which surprised me at first because you were closer to the date that Kenny Galladay signed this big contract and you expected more out of him. Now more time has passed and you've realized what he's become yeah, it might have been the coaching staff not really scripting much toward him because that, that too and but it, it surprised me as a fan just looking you're, you're thinking wow Kenny Galladay is just not getting the ball here last season in 2020 he caught he didn't catch a single touchdown I think he had just over 500 yards um, which was a huge uh, downgrade in terms of his performance in Detroit especially that Pro Bowl year that he had um and everyone kept everyone throughout the last couple of weeks. They've been saying how depleted the Giants' wide receivers are. Well, they're getting back Kenny Galladay, and we don't know. Like you said, Brian, we don't know which version of Kenny Galladay we're getting. But I will take any version of Kenny Galladay over Richie James, David Sills the fifth, and Marcus Johnson. <laughs> yeah, guys that Daniel Jones has been forced to go to the whole season as like the main wide receiver core after losing Sterling Shepard, the longest tenured Giant in the Cowboys game who had looked really good despite getting a little bit older. After losing him, that's it. I mean, you have Darius Slayton. You have Wandale Robinson, the rookie, who's looked okay. Uh, you haven't seen that much of him. <laughs> Slayton caught a nice deep ball for a touchdown against the Jags. But, I mean, those two guys, I mean, I can't see them as being the best on the team. I mean, I mean like, when you look at a really good team and you say, oh, Darius Slayton and, and Wandale Robinson, like, I don't know yet. So you add Kenny Galladay to that mix. I think those can be like three really solid guys, and then you get a Daniel Bellinger back. I don't know when he's coming back, but his eye hopefully is healing up because he had been a weapon that Daniel Jones had been utilizing as well, getting those over-the-middle passes. I think he's caught a touchdown. Look, I just think the Giants are in a much better position than people realize and that it was the right move to not get a guy at the deadline just because the asking price was too high. With Slayton, Wandale Robinson, and Kenny Galladay, if those guys all play to their strengths, I think the Giants will be just fine. And, and that's what the coaching staff has done such a good job of, playing to these players' strengths, because we've seen them not light up the scoreboard, but they've done enough to get the job done and exactly. win games. Daniel Jones is playing to his strength. They're using Darius Slayton a little bit more. And then obviously, when you're Saquon Barkley, everything he does is a strength. Mm -hmm. So they've been doing a good job, and you'd hope that can, can, can continue into the second half of the season. They lost, they dropped the game before the bye to the Seahawks, which kind of... Lose now, a little momentum, but... Lose a little momentum, still, but going into the bye... A couple big errors, too, that a couple turnovers that really changed the flow of that game. Yeah, a couple of muff punts. I mean, that led to 10 points right there. Yeah, they exactly. lose 27-13. You take away those muff punts, and you assume the Giants have better field position in the fourth quarter. You're looking at 
17 to 13 Seahawks where the Giants actually have a chance to go downfield. Exactly. And your next two games are against the Texans and the Lions. So you have a good chance to be 8 and 2. And mm-hmm. if you get to 8 and 2, you're essentially a lock to make the playoffs yeah, at that point. And pretty much. Then go, going into that uh, Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. Huge game. That could that could be a huge game. I mean, but, you win that, and then you have a 10-day rest period at 9-2. and two, Just morale at an all-time high. And you go into December, you still have to play Washington and Philly twice. But you can feel pretty good at 9-2 and two that you're going to have some sort of spot in the 2022 NFL playoffs. Well, it'll be interesting. The Giants... They're six and two now, and we'll see how they can translate their success into the rest of the season. Now we're going to transition into some picks here. Uh-huh. This is this is what we've been looking forward to Smooth. all day, and we're going to run through the slate of games and pick against the spread because we, we we like to kind of amp it up here a little uh, bit. Winners are too easy, you yeah, know. You, yeah. If you have a game like uh, like, let me find an example here. Um, Chiefs Jaguars. Niners, Chargers, <laughs> you know, like winners. They, we're all gonna have the same winner pick, or someone's gonna. You think we're all gonna have the same winner for Chargers, Niners? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, we'll, we'll we'll get into we'll get into that in a second. No, the Chargers stink. Yeah, they are awful. Well, once well, again, once uh once there are some interesting spreads here. I can't wait to get into. This. Once Slater went down for the season, I was like, I'm fading them every week yeah. because they are not good. But anyway, <laughs> Brian. Yeah, Let, let's you, get into let, it. We'll, do you want to start in, in Europe? We will start in Europe because we got a, a 9.30 a.m. game Ooh. between the Seahawks and the Buccaneers in Germany. Uh, the spread, the Bucks are favored by two and a half. Uh, the Bucks are coming off of a win against the Rams, so maybe that can serve as the turning point. This is, the, this is a really tough one because the Seahawks have been good, but it's Tom Brady. And you know what? It's it's a two and a half point spread. I'm picking the Bucks to win, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick them to to take that two and a half because if you can see them winning by like a field goal, I think that's more than acceptable. So I'm gonna take the Bucks minus two and a half. I'm going with Geno, man. I think they're the better football team. Give me the Seattle Seahawks. Give me Geno Smith and and the Seahawks plus two and a half. Um, you know these these games overseas can be low scoring at times um you know they can be uh relatively boring uh, you know it depends but sometimes the guys are tired and not exactly a barn burner of action with 60 total points or something you know like i i like this seahawks team to show up Pete carroll well coached i like them to give tampa bay a game um maybe Tampa Bay wins it with the last second field goal and they win by three and this spread I totally just I get jipped yeah, two out and of a half is yeah. yeah it's yeah. a tough yeah. one right there. but something about <laughs> it being so close tells me you know what just go Seattle so I, I'm gonna go with my gut I'm gonna take the Seahawks here as my pick and I like that logic I mean after watching what the Seahawks did to the Giants they're obviously very much for real give Pete Carroll a lot of credit after trading away your franchise quarterback and everyone thinking that the Seahawks are going to full rebuild mode. They got a better one now. They got a better quarterback now in Geno Smith, who's definitely revived his career, and he's looked really, really good. However, I think, I forget where I read this, but Tampa Bay wins a very ugly game last weekend. Tom Brady with a, a very impressive game-winning drive, but um, you know it was, it was a lot closer versus a Rams team that is clearly not the same team that won the Super Bowl, even if a lot of the same players are there. So... While the win may not look great on paper for the for the Bucks, I think I read somewhere that just Tom Brady has the fuel of the fire once again, 
and I just think it's hard to bet against him. I know he's 45. I know it's not the same player. I know he doesn't even have a wife now. But oh, threw that in there. Wow, brutal. It affects the play on the field. Sorry, Tom. I'll say that. Um, Golly. Look, I think, <laughs> I think they'll do just enough to win by at least a field goal. Give me the Bucks minus two and a half. Bucks like minus it. two and a half for me and Bridge and. Chris is riding with the Seahawks. The divorce narrative is what you guys are doing here. This is what we're doing. We're it's not the narrative I'm going with. Are I just—he's one and zero as a divorce as a w, divorced man. WTMZ so. now is this? I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right, Gi- Giants Texans. The Giants Ooh. favored by four and a half. The Giants have played really close games all year, so I feel like this is. Part of me feels like this is a very like baiting line. Like they want you to take Texans plus four and a half, and they want it, They want you to take it so badly. I'm I'm taking the Giants. I'm See, I'm taking them. The Texans have also been in close games this year, and they've gotten in some ugly, ugly battles. Like Texans thirteen, Jaguars six, Texans nine, Broncos sixteen. That's just ugly. First week of the season, Colts twenty, Texans twenty. Yeah. <laughs> like these guys play some really ugly games. It sounds like these guys are good at covering too, a little bit. So I wonder what their record against the spread is. The Texans. Oh. I will. I mean, they're one six and one, but against the spread, I mean, they could be all right. And Giants are six and two against the spread. Houston four three and one. <laughs> About five hundred. Ten- you- Tennessee, Dallas, Giants, Cincinnati, yeah, Seattle are all D- Jets are all the best. Six and two and six and three. Um, but listen, four and a half points here. To me, it feels like they want you to take the Giants minus four and a half. Yeah, that's oh, what I was gonna say. they're at home. They're gonna run the rock. They're gonna. Th- I am taking the Texans plus four and a half. I think they keep it close. I think it's an ugly one. I know that Damian Pierce is um, a stud. It's been limited in practice. But- He's on my fantasy roster, so I yeah, love I love yeah. the guy. I drafted him in like the sixth round in fantasy, oh, knowing been, he was going to be a great. Good feeling to have. Um, so basically. For him to have been limited in practice, you know, maybe their running game isn't on the top of tip top of performance, and we know the Giants have a good run stopping defense. But something, dude, Davis Mills is like this weirdly underrated quarterback that just like against teams like the Giants, I feel like he just makes them pay for like slightly blown coverages. I know Adoree Jackson is like amazing. McKinney out, Giants defense working to recover from that. He's their green dot guy. He's their communicator on defense, right? So for me, I like Houston to keep this close. Maybe the Giants eke it out here, but I think this line should be something like Giants minus two and a half or Giants minus three. I think it should be like three, two and a half. I three. think it should be like three, yeah. three and a half. I think four and a half is a you know one too many, one and a half too many. Give yeah. me Houston. I'll take the the you know the perceived value there for me. Um, I think the Giants win, but minus two twenty five money line. There's no value there. So let me let me get Houston plus four and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take the Texans plus four and a half for basically the reasons you just said. The Giants win, but they win ugly, and this just has the feeling of being a, I don't know, like a 17 to 13 game. Like it's it's not going to be pretty by any means, but I won't waste your time with the same points Chris just made. Give me the Texans plus four and a half. All right, well, last last one o'clock game here that I'm kind of interested with with uh, the Vikings and the Bills. The Bills are favored by three, and I think this is the easiest Vikings cover of all time. Because Josh Allen might not play, so this is this is where the line is right now. So if you're going plus three right now with the Vikings, easy because I think they're going to win first of all. So what? No, no. Unless Josh Allen, if Josh Allen doesn't play, then maybe. But if Josh Allen plays, 
You think the Vikings? I don't have a think chance? Josh Allen. I think they is got a playing. chance. The Vikings are seven and one. They're, they're not good. They're not, they're not a good team. Frauds. Pull out the diamond tester. They are not a good team. They're good. They're, they're good. They're not great. That's what seven I mean. Seven and one implies great, right? The, so the Bills just lost to the Jets. Yeah, they're good relative to most teams. Yeah, but I mean, if, listen, that's because Josh the, Allen was injured and their game plan got thrown off mid-game. Is me? he? Is he? Is he? Or is he not still injured coming into this? Give one? me. We got a Case Keenum revenge game too. Let's not forget he's there. The, he's the Bills backup. I'm, give me the so, Bills minus three. Because I like them to win a game, even with Josh out. I think with and Josh out, Buffalo the Bills too. can win a game. They're at home. Bills Mafia. Give me Bills minus three. This yeah. is a trap. I'm taking minus three. Oh, 100%. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson <laughs> and Dalvin Cook are going to do so much fantasy points, guys. Someone with Dalvin no. Cook on All my right. team. He's Let's not, talk about good football. Let's talk about the trenches, right? Buffalo is still going to dominate them. Josh Allen does not play yeah. lineman, right? That's where football the, games are won. Yes. Give me – I know he's the – to me, Allen's the second-best quarterback in the league today. Mahomes won. Okay. But even with him out, Bills are still favorites. Why? Because they're at home, so that means on a neutral zone, Vegas sees this game as a toss-up. Yep. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to back the home team. Give me Buffalo. Yeah. Wow. Um, the Vikings may play in a cold city, but they play inside. And you go to Buffalo – I don't know how cold it's going to be this weekend, but as an outdoor environment, it's not what they're used to. And I've I've said all season long the Vikings are frauds, and I don't I don't mean they're a bad team, but I just don't think that the, they're a seven and one quality team. I thought they would have a fluky yeah, regular you, season. You, you got you got to stop this. I picked the Commanders guys. to beat them last week, and they almost did. I said I'm pretty sure I said on a WFUV like you know like preseason picks thing, yeah. that that I liked the Vikings to just not win to make the Super Bowl plus eighteen hundred to make the Super Bowl because I thought that they might have like a total Mickey Mouse. And the run NFC this year. is wide open. This That's year what I too. thought I they mean, were going to have like a Eagles Mickey Mouse are another run. story which we'll talk about. But I mean, yeah, I thought the Vikings might. There was just a chance they might have a Mickey Mouse run, and it's looking like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is in full session. If you could have gotten right? plus eighteen hundred on that today, would you think about it for the? Vi- I don't yeah, know. It's on it, yeah. I think you guys are crazy disrespectful to the Vikings right now, but. I so I got him. Uh, I got Bills minus three. Okay. Well, well, you guys will be dumbfounded when the Vikings, the okay. Vikings win. Uh huh. So I'll transition <laughs> to the four o'clock window. Cowboys Packers is the marquee game of that four o'clock window. I love this matchup. Cowboys favored by four and a half. Oh. You would think a, with Aaron Rodgers, the Packers would like cover. But the Packers have been really bad. They've been really bad. So they've been the, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you want to go cross sport for a second? There are two sure. superstars in in sports, professional sports right now, that could I believe still play at an elite level if they so desired, and had elite teammates to cover up their flaws that are now more apparent in their older age. <laughs> and I think they do not care to do that at all. I think these guys are checked out. I think they're done. It's LeBron yep. James and yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. You, you, you knew, you yeah, yeah. knew where that was. They're yep. done. I think they're cooked, like not physically. I think mentally, like they're done. Like they're like this. This is over. So for me, Green Bay Packers. That's my my favorite saying. They lose fifteen (laughs) nine. They lose. lose Had to get a LeBron chirp in there (laughs) to Detroit. Um, Twenty. Like they just play. They they play ugly games. Green Bay too. And you look at this Cowboys matchup. I've been backing the Cowboys to cover as dogs all season because I think that defense was underrated at the start of the year. Now Vegas finally kind of, well, I think maybe they overcorrected here going with the four-and-a-half spread in favor of the road Cowboys. Rodgers, he's got to pull something out, right? 
Who's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? McCarthy. Uh, that would be Mike McCarthy. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, an old friend. Maybe, just maybe, this is the week that Aaron Rodgers decides to give a darn. Give me the Packers plus four and a half at home. Yeah, I'm like, this is the one game that I'm really in between on, especially when it comes to the spread. I'm I'm leaning towards the Packers because I think a player as good as Aaron Rodgers can't he's lost what three games in a row four yep. games in a row I just don't and they're three and six right now right yeah they're in, I just they're can't see him dropping at three and seven and I know that might not make sense like I mean I'm, it may not be backed by stats or whatever but I'm saying just from a eyeball perspective and and just me I just I can't see that the Packers falling at three and seven now, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs but I think you say they're going against Mike McCarthy you know Aaron Rodgers old head coach they want a Super Bowl together I still like the Cowboys to win, but I like them to win by a field goal. I think the Packers will cover here four and a half. Um, they're at home. It's four twenty-five. It's probably on Fox. They're going to be. It's you know. It's Packers plus four and a half. I'm picking the Packers to win, so Ooh. I'm picking the Packers to cover. There I like go. that. The home, Listen, home dog. Right there. Yeah, it's at Lambeau, so I'm assuming Rogers is going to step it up a little bit. I think so. Yeah. They're they're in a, they're in free fall right now, and this is a huge game against the Cowboys. And we know the Cowboys are prone to lose, like. Big games like this, so and I think they don't know, be the Packers very. You often. hope they lose if you're another team in the NFC, like the New York Giants. Yeah, you would. Who's you certainly tasked would. with? The, they may have the best season they've had in years, but so were the Eagles and the Cowboys. So yeah. it's just their luck. You need those teams to start losing. Packers will cover for the four and a half spread, and then the last game we're gonna do it's Sunday night game, uh, the Chargers and the Niners. Uh, the Vikings are, or not the the Vikings, the Forty ers are favored by seven. Which oh, this is, I uh, think is a little crazy, and I think this uh, Chargers plus seven spread is like so. It's calling my name. So whew. Chargers plus seven, they'll cover. I think the Niners are gonna win, but Chargers will cover. They got it. Uh, I think the only spread that's a little crazier than that is the Monday night spread. Yeah, that that's a bit of a crazy spread. I think Washington covers that easily, but that's not the game we're talking about. I think. Like you said, I think we could we probably all agree that the 49ers are winning this game. They're at home. Sunday night football. I don't think it's as like clear cut as Chris was saying. Like the discrepancies between these teams. Yeah. Chargers are bad. Chargers they're not, are they're five and three. They're not they're, no, fi- but they're also look, they're five and three against the spread this year too, which is something. But yeah. the San Francisco team is four and four. I feel like it's, that's because they've been getting a lot of respect on their spreads. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think this team's bad. And I just think they're getting too much respect on the spreads. This seven points, again, yeah. San Francisco may be getting a little too much respect on the A lot spread, of recency but. bias, too, just because they got McCaffrey and he had like the hit-for-the-cycle, triple-double type yeah, performance where he threw for, caught, and ran for a touchdown. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is still their quarterback. I'm not saying they're bad. Yeah. They have a lot of weapons on that team. So um, real, real quickly, you're... Your pick, your pick. Oh, my pick against this. Yeah, you, you gotta get your. Of get course. Your pick. Um, I'm just imagining like the game, like Mike Tirico's talking. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go with the Niners minus seven. Wow. I, I think it's a 34 to like 21 type final score. Wow. I think the Niners run it up a little bit in the fourth quarter. I say it's close at half. They might even be losing at half. Third quarter, they get a couple big touchdowns. The Chargers probably have a drive close to the end of the game, or Justin Herbert looks like he's about to die as he throws the ball, and they ultimately score like with like a minute left, but then they can't recover the onside kick and they lose. Chris, you want to wrap us up real quick with your pick? Yeah, listen, 
There's one time I've like really faded San Francisco this year, and it was when they were playing the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs were like plus one on the road or something, and I was like, I, I can get Patrick Mahomes to win a football game at minus one hundred five. Yeah, so it's like you know, give me Mahomes, okay? This time they're playing Herbert. Oh, same logic, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it, and the reason is because I got to stay consistent with the reason I've been giving you guys all day. I, I'm, I'm a, when, the top, when it comes to spreads, not winners, when it comes to spreads, I'm a big look to the trenches guy. I'm a big, you know, are, if the winner's going to cover a big spread, it's because they're going to dominate the matchup. Now, the 49ers, to me, are the kind of team that can dominate a matchup against the L.A. Chargers, not just because they're at home, but because they're so much better on both lines that I just think that this is not going to be that close. So give me Niners minus seven. I'm not trying to say they win by 30. I'm not saying go find an alternate spread and whatever else. I've just been fading this Chargers team week after week, um, and it hasn't gone amazingly so far given their five and three against the spread this season. But since Slater went down, I just don't love the Chargers in uh, in th- th- this this build of their team to me has talent and it features the talent. You see Mike Williams, you see Herbert, you see Eckler, you see these guys ball out, but I don't think it's leading to what it needs to lead to just yet. So you're locking in Niners minus seven. Yeah. You know, the Niners are three and oh in their division this year against the spread. This is a team that's, that's been a machine this year. So uh, even in those tough matchups for them in division, they're they're three and zero against the spread. So All against right. a team like the Chargers, yep. don't love their lines. I think they're a weaker team. Give me give me San Francisco. Yeah, I yeah. So I already said I like them. Yeah, I just think the whole picking spreads adds a whole new dynamic to the game, and I I do really like that. I think another fun segment's also the the guessing the lines too. Like you see that mm, on some other yeah. podcasts. Maybe something we decide to do in coming weeks because maybe that's a next week thing. Because that ultimately it adds like a whole new dimension to it because it. It, you have to use your brain in a different way because you almost guess what how many points a team you think should win, and then and then you sort of pick against what Vegas thinks. So, just another dimension to it that that we could add in coming weeks. Well, I'll be looking forward to Sunday and see how all these picks play out. But we're at time for today, so that'll wrap up this edition of NFL Friday. Sports director of WFUV is Bobby Chaffardini. Shout out to our guy behind the glass, Pat Amaturo, our producer. So, from Bridge Gotham and Chris Persianen, I'm Brian Raybacks. Thank you so much for listening to NFL Friday today. And, of course, NFL Friday, a production of WFUV Sports.